basically, I've been recently studying, I guess, what amounts to be a revival in the last 40 years or so um, uh, in, in Asian countries. And I've been studying through a book called T for T, Training for Trainers. And basically, it's a discipleship methodology, I guess, and a course. But I guess the biggest difference between this and other discipleship methods, it just simply kind of follows a, a mindset that comes from the book of Acts. And, and I know when you study Acts, you have to, you, you know, be careful, at least especially in the first 10 chapters of Acts, because some of the things there, simply put, God doesn't actually do exactly like that today. But can I tell you something this morning? I believe God is a miracle-working God. I believe God is powerful and almighty and can just simply do whatever it is that He wants to do according to His purposes and His plans according to His truth. I believe that we have a powerful Savior this morning. That Jesus Christ isn't just something that we kind of claim to follow because there's nothing that really tickled our fancy to follow. So we just kind of followed Jesus. Or, you know, we're simply not following Jesus today because we were born in a country that predominantly proclaimed Christ. And, and that's why we follow Christ. I hope. A hope and my desire is that you are here this morning and if you call yourself a believer, that you are a believer because you realize that Jesus was absolutely the only way to the Father. That there was no other way, no church or denomination or act or work that you could do could bring you into a right relationship with God. And that somehow, some way, in your inner self, you came to that point, a specific thought in your life, a time in your life that you realized, I'm a sinner, and I deserve no forgiveness, but it is because of God's grace and mercy and long-suffering that He offers me salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then I have to put aside any thought of earning that through ability and just drop that. Because there's nothing that I can do to be saved. All I can do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just simply believe that, you know, the doctrinal stuff. He's the Son of God. Virgin birth. He died. He, he was buried. He rose again. But in accepting those that as truths, you believe that He did it for you. That he's your savior. And you know what? When we get saved, man, that is an amazingly powerful moment in our life. It changes us eternally. It enables us with his Holy Spirit power to live this life as a believer. But can I tell you this morning, and, and this thought has really been upon my mind and heart all this week. We celebrated Easter last week. And you come and, you know, up from the grave he, he arose and he's alive. Yes, he's alive and, and all that. But what about the days after? What about the living after that? We cannot forget what he does now that he is alive. And, you know, I just want to take, because I won't be preaching next week. And when in the week after we will start back in, into our kind of more of expository through books type 
teaching. But this morning, I want to encourage you in your faith, in your walk. If you're, if you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you are a f- true follower of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you that He is the only way. And that He has the power and the ability and He, is, he has sufficiently satisfied all that God desired for the payment of sins. And that you being good or whatever doesn't earn it. But you falling in your heart to your knees and accepting that through belief. That's all that He he calls for. That you believe on the Lord Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning about the day after. Acts chapter 4. We're not actually going to start reading the day after. It's been many, many weeks. The work of Jesus is moving on. Powerful things have happened. And we find Peter and John going up to the temple. In Acts chapter 3, they meet a man. And through the power of Christ, this man becomes whole. He's healed. A couple of things are started after that. And, you know, he gets healed. And and Peter preaches. And things begin to happen. And, you know, exciting stuff. But I want to look in our text at Acts 4, kind of in the middle of that story of the healing of that crippled man in the temple. Then I want to take you back a little bit to where they were in the upper room. I want to follow them from the upper room to this point and then apply that to our lives today. So Acts chapter 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees that came, came upon them, And being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, put them in hold unto the next day, for it was the evening. Howbeit many of them, those who were listening, which heard the word, they believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass in the morning that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, they were all gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, he said to them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. Now we can miss it sometimes when we read it in the text. But what you're reading here is is the answer to how we live day by day. How you and I as Christians go about serving Christ. You know, Peter said, all that you see here, it has been done by Jesus Christ. By faith in Him, by believing in Him, by His power. What you see done, not by us. Christian, I want to tell you this morning... It will not be done by what we do. It will be done by what what Christ in His power 
can do through us. It is Him and Him only that does all that needs to be done. And you can rest assured this morning that you need no other power, no other ability, no other substance, no other thing, no other book, no other doctrine, no other group. You need nothing other than Jesus Christ in your life to equip you, enable you, help you, guide you, direct you, and any other else thing that you need. It is in Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word this morning, please, by your Holy Spirit, enable your word to sink deep within us, to work in us, Lord, to meet the needs of your people that sit before you this morning. And may you be glorified in all that's said, done, in the lives that are changed through your spirit and your word that you work in each life. In Christ's name, amen. As I said several times already this morning, you know, we celebrated Easter last week. And the celebration, it, it, is, it is the uplifting by Christians of, of Jesus Christ. It is coming in, in the excitement and in, in just the presence of last week. What an amazing thing. It's such excitement all around this building. And there was hardly a seat down here to, to be found. And God just moved and blessed so much. And, and I'm so excited about that. But it can't end with that, folks, can it? It didn't with Christ. See, the celebration of Easter is when Christians rejoice about him being alive and him working and saving and empowering. But don't let it end with Easter. But what after but what about the day after Easter? What about the week after Easter? What about the year that's gonna follow? What what the, the good feeling and all of that of, of, of last week? What about today? How does that, what Christ did, affect us today? What is the impact of that? in our lives today. I think we forget how powerful Jesus Christ really is. Let me walk you through. Christ is risen. The disciples have watched the Lord go up into heaven. Actually, not yet. He's risen. Let's start reading again in Acts 1. Look at verse 4 in Acts 1. Here's Christ after his resurrection, and he's talking to his followers. And as they were assembled together, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. See, Christ is alive, and he's now with his disciples, he's with his followers, and he says, listen, remember in the teaching I told you that I'm going to send the Comforter to you? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And now he's telling them once again, go into Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And Jesus said, this one that I'm going to send to you, he will be the one to enable you to be the witness to the world. Remember, I've told you that, that you are light and you are salt and you're to go into the world and tell the people about salvation and about, about the Messiah's coming, what, he's, can do, what He can do for you and, and all of that. But you won't do it in your own power and you won't be alone when you do it. 
In Acts 1.8, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but you will receive power when that Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be then witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the end of the earth, wherever you go. And it will be because of that power you receive. See, the point is this. We can't look at the, res- at, at the crucifixion and the resurrection as the finished, done work of Christ. And then we're supposed to just take it from there. Jesus is not finished working and showing His power. Now, He was still going to work. He was still going to teach. He was still going to do miraculous things. Change people's lives. Turn the world upside down. And He was going to do it through those who follow Him, through those whose lives were changed by faith and believing in Jesus Christ. And He was going to do it because He was going to empower them with the Holy Spirit. So they go. And they waited. And they were in Jerusalem. Not probably sure exactly where they were waiting at this time. But they were all gathered together, a bunch of them. And they were, it was the day that they celebrated the Pentecost. And they were all gathered up together. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, because they were waiting for the promise of what Christ said to them. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all of one accord in one place. The disciples, they were fellowshipping together. The followers of Jesus were, were being together, encouraging one another, probably praying and, and waiting their time and being expectant as to what Christ was going to do. And suddenly they, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know what happened here? This was the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave to them. He, he sent to those who, who were already following Christ His Spirit. He gave them the promise of that Holy Spirit. Now what happened was Christ, who, who, who had descended up to heaven at the right hand of the Father, they had celebrated and rejoiced over seeing Christ on that resurrection morning, saw the scars and the pierced Uh, marks in his body Thomas stuck his hand in there they spent many many days uh, meeting up with him and Christ met many of the many people saw him alive now he was gone but his power wasn't gone his ability to work in people's lives wasn't gone he sent his spirit the indwelling Holy Ghost that each believer has see as Christians we receive this at the moment of salvation we don't have to wait It is clearly taught in Scripture that when you believe in faith on Jesus Christ, you are given His Spirit to guide you and direct you. The Apostle Paul was clear in how he taught that we receive the Holy Spirit the moment we receive Christ as our Savior. You know, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Whether you're Jew or Greek, slave or free, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. He goes on to tell us again in Romans 8 that if a person does not possess the Holy Spirit, he he or she is actually 
doesn't even belong to Christ. The Bible says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. In Ephesians, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. For all those who believe, it says clearly in Scripture, having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. He is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. See, you know, we celebrate Christ and we come to Him in faith Believer, you've got to understand that the power and working of Jesus Christ didn't end on the cross or Him ascended to heaven. He's enabled us through His Holy Spirit and He's empowered us to live this life for His glory and for His honor. The truth is, God's power works. And I wish sometimes that we we could see and realize Around us in the world today, God is miraculously doing things that would blow our minds. You know, I was reading a story recently of the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Christ today. People often ask me, how do people in nations and countries where the gospel is outlawed and you can't preach or teach? And, you know, there are literally nations where there are maybe four or five or even Zero known believers in that nation. How then can we say, you know, God's going to judge them and they're going to be away from Him and, you know, not enter heaven, you know, because they've never heard. You know what we do? When we say that, oh, God needs us to get His message to people, what we're saying is we really don't believe that God is powerful enough even today to change lives when things look hopeless. That God is not powerful enough to work in our lives when things look hopeless. I've read so many stories of Muslim people becoming believers in Christ in countries where there is virtually zero gospel witness. You know how the Lord's doing it? The Lord is working in Muslim people's lives through dreams. I know you don't want to hear some of that, It's not the dream that saves them. It's not the dream that makes them a believer. But God somehow sometimes gives people a dream to say, look, go and meet someone here and they're going to give you a Bible. And you know what? I met someone recently that is from a Muslim country that got the Word of God given to them because they had a dream and God told them in that dream to go to a certain place And when they got to that certain place, they gave them a Bible. They went and read that Bible, found out that Jesus is the only way, and they believed on Him by faith. Amen? Hey, listen, listen. What we're reading here is that God still works today, amen? That God's power is still working in people's lives And it doesn't matter how destitute we think we are. We're not outside the power of God. 
right? We're not outside of God's power. He lives in us. God's power still works. They were filled with the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. What did they do? Did they stay in the building, not do anything? No. They went outside. And people started seeing them and how the power of God was affecting them. And, you know, they were, you know, they were speaking in languages that they shouldn't have been speaking in because they didn't know them, but God was enabling them to speak in those languages. And they're like, man, he's from here and he's speaking that dialect? Well, how can that be? Man, something's funky going on. Something's not right. They must be drunk. And Peter got up and said, no. And he began to preach. Not in the power of a fisherman, but in the power of God. Acts chapter 2 says this. But Peter, in verse 14, stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and he said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, he said, let this be known to you. Listen to my words. These are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the power of the risen Christ's spirit that was given to the people who followed Jesus. By that which lived inside of each of them as a believer in Christ, Peter proclaimed salvation in Jesus. you got to remember, we read this story in Acts. 3,000 people get saved. Oh, big deal. No worries. It, that's the Bible thing. Man, those were the folks that just cried out and shouted, crucify them. Those were the, some of the people, most likely, that said, hey, give us Barabbas, this Jesus guy, kill him. And yet now, within just a, you know, weeks, here's Peter seeing the power of that resurrected Jesus affecting the lives of people from all parts of the place, all kinds of background in Judaism, all situations of morality or immorality. Those were people just like you and I. And Peter, he said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off and as many as the Lord as our God will call. The people Peter was speaking to were some of the ones that had rejected him. And yet now, here's what they said. What must we do? And he'll just tell them, repent. Call on Christ. You know, change your outlook. Change your view of Jesus. 
Just not too long ago, you shouted, crucify him. Now you're to look at him and ask him to save you. To believe that he was the one that the books have written about that would be whipped and beaten and would die and yet raised again and given life for you. And what happened at the end of that message that Peter gave? The Bible says in verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. You know, you read that again, 3,000 people. What an amazing thing. Wouldn't that be awesome that we could go out and preach a little bit and 3,000 people would be brought into the church? Do you know what, though? That wasn't the emphasis of what Peter was saying. That wasn't the important part. We focus on the three grand, but that's not where it was at. It is those who received his word that believed what was preached. They became followers of Jesus Christ. They would then be filled, receive the Holy Spirit of God so that they could be the ones to tell the story about redemption. So that they could be empowered to live this life as followers of Christ. They were born again, saved. And then they followed the Lord in being baptized. Why? To identify themselves with Jesus. You know what? Many people would have thought, huh, he's dead. He's in the tomb. We can deal with this story about his resurrection. We can... We can put it down. We can spread our own rumors that he's not alive. And we'll deal with that. It'll just fizzle out. And yet, you know what it did? Because there is power in Christ. There is power in this message. There is power in our Savior. There is power that this world doesn't understand in Jesus Christ. He is a life changer. Even now, as he sits upon the throne, waiting to come back for his kingdom. He's empowering us and He is powerfully working in our world today. Christ did amazing things while He was on this earth. Then He amazingly arose from the dead. He powerfully returned to His Father and He powerfully, magnificently empowered His followers so that He could continue to do amazing works even now. The work that happened because Jesus is alive did not stop with Peter on the day of Pentecost. Now, you have a couple of more disciples or another disciple going with Peter. Peter now and John. So after Pentecost, there are 3,000 crazy believers running around in Jerusalem filled with the Holy Spirit Sharing their faith. Meeting together in, in different houses. Fellowshipping. Experiencing the Lord's Supper. Meeting each other's needs. The work of the church started immediately. Why? Because this powerful Savior that saved them powerfully worked in their lives. Now Peter and John, they walk up to the temple to, to praise and worship God. And the Bible says in Acts 3... Now Peter and John went up together to the, to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
There, now I won't read the text, but I'll walk you through it a little bit. There they met a crippled man begging for money. One of the disciples said to him, silver and gold, I don't have any of that. But what I do have to you, I will give to you. And he reached out and he took the man's hand and he said something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. You know what I love about that text? They went into the temple, not just walking in quietly, but they were praising and rejoicing. Now, I haven't taken the time to look at the Greek and study exactly how they praised and worshipped. And, and we get this idea that, you know, it was pretty exuberant. This crippled dude that couldn't do it before was now walking. That's a pretty cool and exciting thing, amen? Man, God changed his life. You figure in your own way how rejoicing he was, but he was so rejoiceful that people around him saw it. People were affected by his rejoicing. And they went into the temple and they praised God. And the people that were there, they were amazed. They were amazed because they knew that this man, he's like 40 years old. Man, that was old back then. Amen. 50, that's young today. Except to someone I met this morning. They've turned 36 and said, I'm, on, I'm, 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 I'm halfway there. And I said to them, I said, well, then at 50, that makes me dead on the other side down in the valley somewhere, you know. But he was 40 years old, and, and yet, because you know what? It was hopeless for him. He had no hope. But Jesus Christ changed all that. He went to the temple rejoicing and praising God for the healing. And those around him were amazed because there was a power that was at work here that they didn't know about. That it was not familiar to them. The Bible tells us in verse 10, then they, that, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. You know what they were saying? How did this take place? What a good question. Do you know, I remember being in church years ago, and there was a, a couple during Wednesday night prayer requests. They stood up and said, I, I don't have a prayer request, but I have kind of like a praise. I'm here today, and I became a believer in Christ at this church because, because about a year or so ago, when our life my, he said, my, my, my wife's life was just tumbling out of control and our, our marriage was looking like it was going to be in ruins and, and just things were awful. He said, we weren't looking for God or anything like that, but we had some neighbors that we watched and go to church. And then we watched how they lived. They weren't perfect. They, they, they weren't without fault or failure, but we watched them and we saw, man, there's something different with them. There's a power in their lives that we don't have, and there's an effect that's going on in them that we don't understand. And one day, we just thought, what other hope do I have? Maybe I'll just go to church and see what's worked in their lives and see if it can work in my life. And we went to church because of what we saw in them. And they said, I want to just praise God tonight. I'm saved and I believe in Him. And God is working in our marriage and bringing our lives back together again. Why? Not because of anything that we do, 
but because there is power in Jesus Christ. There is power in God. There is power in this book. And if we could just see and understand that God, Christ, after He's risen, is still powerful today, working in people's lives, oh, what a change that would make. And that's a good question, though. How does this happen to you? And the Bible tells us in Acts 3.11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people were in together to, to them in the, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. And when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, listen, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Why do you look at it like it was the church that changed him? Or it was like getting baptized that changed him? Or it was like following some creed or, 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 or whatever that changed him? Or even by his own power or our own power that changed him? It was none of that. Peter goes on to say in verse 16, It is by his name. Through faith in His name, Jesus Christ, that has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through Him, Jesus Christ, has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And that brings us to the text that I read to you this morning. Peter speaking to the crowd in the temple and to the priest to the captain of the guard, the temple, and the Sadducees all gathered together. They didn't like what was going on. They were worried and grieved at what was being taught. This truth of the resurrection and the power that this, that faith in this Jesus Christ has. The life-changing effects that are taking place will pull people from Judaism, will pull people from from following us as priests, it will change our nation, maybe affect us politically in a bad way. We must stop this. What is going on here? There was a power, folks, that those believers had. And it wasn't something that only they had that could not be had by, by others, but it is a power that is had by all believers. It's the power that comes to you and I through faith, in Jesus Christ, just as verse 16 said. So those religious people arrested Peter and John, put them in prison, but something amazing happened. See, as all this was going on, they'd come out of the temple from rejoicing. The, the priests and all had gathered around. There's a big crowd gathered around. And Peter began to again proclaim Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And you know what happened? 2,000 more people out of that group became followers of the Lord Jesus. They believed on Jesus Christ. Acts 4.4 says this, However, even though the priests were against what was being done. And even though they were now being put into prison, the Holy Spirit of God was working. And as that message was creeping into the hearts and minds of those who were hearing that there is salvation in Christ, there is healing in Christ, there is wholeness in Christ, there is power in Christ, He's the one that all of our books have talked about from all this time. It is now time to believe on Him. 
as that message was going in the hearts of people, Peter and John were in prison, 2,000 people came to know Jesus and follow him. 2,000 people believed the truth about the Lord. And they were added to the church and brought the total to 5,000 believers in Jerusalem since the day the believers of Christ were empowered through the Holy Spirit to go and to proclaim what He has done. The religious men again wanted to know something that the people had already asked. And, and Peter answered, well, you think this was done by our power? No, it's power by, the fa- by faith in the name or the person of Jesus Christ. And the religious people asked again, by what power or by what name have you done this? By what power? It certainly is an amazing thing that has happened. A man was healed. And there is power beyond us that has done this. What is this power? And Peter tells them in verse 10. Let it be known to all of you. And to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. By him this man stands here before you whole. This is the one the prophets talked about. Christian, let me explain to you this morning something. That prodigal son, daughter, who's running away from Christ, that life that seems to be just spiraling out of control, that marriage that's on the rocks, that, that, that whatever that problem is, whatever that issue is, I can't say to you this morning, you come to Jesus, it's going to be all good and dandy. I can't promise you that. Because the Bible promises us problems and issues as believers in Christ even. The Bible tells us that there will be hardships. And even Paul said, man, I rejoice in the sufferings that I can partake in as a follower of Jesus Christ. The sufferings that my Jesus suffered through. I partake in some of those. You study the life of Paul and the disciples, there was much suffering in them. But I can tell you this, there is power in Jesus Christ. There is power to heal lives. There is power in Christ to save. That's how you're saved, not in your power, His power. There is power in the Lord Jesus to call that prodigal home. There is power in the Lord Jesus to heal the broken home. There's power in the Lord Jesus to to heal that marriage. There's power in the Lord Jesus to help you live this life on this earth. And maybe maybe this life hasn't given to you what you desired. Maybe this life isn't what you wanted it to be. But I can tell you something, that if you follow Christ and you trust Him, and you allow His power to enable you to deal with whatever it is that you are living through and dealing with, His power will enable you to go through it, to overcome it, to be able to give Him the glory and the honor of your life. We're not promised a life to our liking, but we can have a life to the Lord's glory and honor. And isn't that what we really want to live for? A life that glorifies our Savior in Jesus Christ? Christian, person that's outside of faith, maybe you're not a believer. What we see in our text this morning is this, and please don't miss it. 
The power that healed the man, it was Jesus. The one who was crucified, but now lives again today. It is through this man that he stands here whole. Christ is not with him. He's been crucified. Buried, risen, ascended. But please catch this. It is he, it is Jesus Christ, through the power of Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit, using his followers, who is doing this work even now. Don't miss it. In verse 10 and in verse 12 of Acts 4, Peter, by the Holy Spirit, uses a term in verse 10, made whole. And in verse 12, saved. Do you know what? It's the same exact Greek word. He's saying that it's the Greek word called sozo. And Peter is saying, it is Jesus Christ that makes one whole, that makes you saved. I encourage you this morning, wholeness is not in everything being healed. Wholeness is not in everything in our life being the way we want it to be. Wholeness is when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we understand that He is, he is God. He is God's Son and He is the Savior and He's the propitiation for our sins and He is the one that can make us whole in our life. And you will never know the power of Christ until you experience Him by faith. And I call you this morning and I encourage you, Christian, continue to stand in your faith because there is power in Christ. Unbeliever, maybe you're outside, I encourage you, come to Christ. Because there's power in Him to save you. All you have to do is believe. You say, you make it sound so simple. That's what Paul said to the Philippian jailer. That's what Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch. What what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, well, if you believe, let's go for it. Why? There's power in Christ. What did the resurrection do? More than can ever be said. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. When a person believes by faith, as, that, as did this man in our story, as did the 5,000 so far in this timeline, they are made whole. They are given salvation. Their lives are changed. They are empowered with the Spirit of God. They are enabled to live for God's glory. Can God work today? Can we see His power affected in this world today in the lives of people today in our homes In the brokenness of life today? And the answer is absolutely yes. You know how it comes? It's all from Jesus Christ by faith. Through faith in his name, Jesus, this man was healed. By believing that Jesus is who he is, receiving, accepting it by faith, you and I do nothing when we believe He does all the work. How has this begun? It's begun by faith. It continues by faith. You know, when I look at this text, and and I I ask myself, how can I have God's power work in my life? Number one, by faith. Number two, rejoice. You know, I think too many of us as believers in Christ, we don't rejoice enough. 
We don't thank Jesus for what he's done for us enough. You know, that, that man went in with Peter and John, and they praised God. They rejoiced. And what happened? It wasn't through the preaching that amazed them. It wasn't through them passing out tracts on the street. It wasn't through great Sunday school lessons. You know what amazed them? You know what affected their life? They, they saw people rejoicing over what God had done in their life. It draws people to hear. My wife always tells the kids, sugar gets more than vinegar, right? Praise will call more to see the Jesus you serve than complaining and frowning and moaning about things not always being right. When I look at this text and I say, how can I have God's power in my life? I see it's by faith. I see it's enabled and helped by rejoicing and praising God. But you also, what I see, to see the work of God in people's lives, you need to tell the story. You need to tell people about it. We can't expect people simply to come. They went out and told people. Wherever you see in the book of Acts that the spread of the gospel incurred, either through persecution or not, it was also done through the telling of those believers of what Christ had done in their life. You know, why did they all rush out in amazement in Solomon's temple? Why did they say, what has happened to this man who was holding on to Peter and John tightly? It's because of their rejoicing and telling of what God has done that drawed the people to see the power of God. And then you know what I see? The fourth thing, to see God's power in our lives today by faith, by rejoicing and praise, by telling it, just watch. Just watch. The whole book of Acts is simply a story to be seen of what God has done and can continue to do today. Do we believe it? Why can't God do it today? There's no reason he can't. He's, Jesus Christ is as powerful 2,000 years after his resurrection as he was the day of his resurrection. There's no reason why God can't work powerfully today. By faith, through rejoicing, through telling it, and just watch what God will do if you will trust him and believe in him and have faith in him. Let's pray.